Hello and welcome to Earworm Island. I'm your host, Jeff White. On each episode, I invite my guests to imagine marooning their worst enemy on a desert island accompanied only by the four most terrible records ever made. This week, I'm joined by author and journalist Andrew Smith. Andrew, welcome. How are you doing? I'm delighted to be here. Very well, thanks. You? Because yes, not too bad. And and um, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is that you've got an august uh, history. Because I say journalist, there, were, there was a period of time when you were you were music journalist mainly. That was your your stock in trade. That's right. For about ten years, I heard every bad record that was released. So I had <laughs> a, a vast range of choices I could have made for this. Has that been t- has that been tough then narrowing it down to just the four? Actually, do you know what? I would have thought it would be, but no. <laughs> there was immediate choice. Surprisingly quick to get to, and <laughs> um, and part of that is I I bent the rules very slightly hmm. because I did have a specific person that I wanted to send mm. to this you know um, benighted island, and uh, and I I also chose a couple of things which I don't really hate. Right. Um, but I think they really would. I think it would drive them insane. I see, yes. So I thought that was probably within the rules. So you've so you've tailored your you've tailored your choices to the choice <laughs> of person you're dispatching to the island. You might think that was malicious. <laughs> That's the idea. <laughs> you've understood <laughs> yeah, the format. <laughs> um, so let's start there. Listen. Uh, so, so who are you going to send to this island? Well, now this was a surprisingly quick choice mm. and and uh, the the no one in my family would be surprised but i wanted to send michael gove mp <laughs> now this is not because of his stance on brexit although i was on the other side but it really predates that by some by some considerable time actually when he was my kids were small when he was education minister mm. And um, they, so they were still at school and he, he turned out to be one of those education ministers who wants to bring back the old ways where children were forced to stand <laughs> on one leg in the corner of a classroom, repeating sevens times table while being attacked by crows until they faint and turn into angry adults. Because it, it didn't do him any harm, you know. He was... <laughs> it didn't do him any harm, exactly. And I, I was quite, you know, as you can imagine, vehemently against this idea <laughs> of education. And um, it was slightly embarrassing when the kids were growing up, actually, because I obviously tried to bring them up as, as good people and decent citizens. But every time Michael Gove would come on the TV, on the news or something, and the kids would turn to each other and go, oh, look, it's that man that daddy hates. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd say, no, no, children, we don't hate anyone. Daddy doesn't hate anyone, except for Michael Gove a bit. But we don't hate people. So I think they've grown up to be very, very confused about this stuff. I, um, I once combed Michael Gove's hair. My claim to fame. You did. Not. I did. I did. Yes. <laughs> You're going to have to tell me that story. Um, <laughs> we we were we were. I was at Channel Four News and and we were interviewing him, the great Kathy Newman, political his political reporter oh, at that point. Um, fabulous political editor. No, I'm not sure. I just can't get that wrong. Maybe she's correspondent. Anyway, her, whatever her role was, we were interviewing Michael Gove, and he had a bit of hair sticking up that that wouldn't. <laughs> And they they lit him really nicely, so his hair was backlit, and it was so it looked like a sort of kind of a, like a crown, like on some strange bird. And so he got we I tried to get him to sort this out, and he got a comb out of his pocket. Now there is a particular type of man I think who carries a comb around. Yeah, I don't know. Enough said. Yeah, I just it's I find combs increasingly anachronistic as a as a device. I have to say. Yeah, me too. They just don't work. I'm beyond that. But he kept so he combed his hair to get this thing, but of course he kept missing it because he didn't have a mirror. He didn't know. Where. So in the end, I was like, 
Oh, for pity's sake, and I, I grabbed the comb and I found myself combing Michael Gove's hair. I have to live with that, wow. Andrew. That's... Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's kind of kind of great. And, uh, I'm sure I'm sure you did a very good job too. <laughs> I'd probably liked him better if I'd seen it with it all sticking up. <laughs> did, I, did I tell you about the time I shook Fidel Castro's hand by accident? No, really. What? Wow. Similar similar thing to that. I was in I was in uh, Havana with Manic Street Preachers, the band. They were, and they hadn't. They were the first band from a sort of non-friendly oh, country right. yes, Cuba for a long yeah. time yeah yeah and so you know Fidel came to one of the shows and he, he invited uh, he invited them to one of his lectures which <laughs> any Cuba will tell you last for about eight hours so. <laughs> and you can't turn that down Fidel Fidel's you can't turn that down so we we went we didn't have to stay for the lecture but we we were in a in a lecture theater he was opening reopening an art school and uh, and i was sitting next to the band who i knew quite well uh in in one of the aisles of the lecture theater and i suddenly noticed all these people gesturing towards me to you know come out come out come out get away <laughs> and and i was thinking why what's happening and i so i thought well okay i got to get out of here clearly so i i got up to go along the aisle and then just looked up and saw Fidel standing right in front of me with his beard in the aisle. And of course, neither of us really knew what to do. So we just, we just put our hands up and shook hands. And then I very gracefully, you know, with not very gracefully climbed over the, climbed over the seats and got out of the way. So, so this is, I mean, that's a, that is a really classic, um, adventure of glamorous rock and roll music journalism you and the manic street <laughs> preachers in a lecture theater in cuba <laughs> that's right it's kind of that's that's how it is much more than people realize so who, yes we should return to this so when music journalists what who, who did you sort of write for what was the uh, what was the what did you have a particular beat or was it music in general well yeah it was i i started out and i, I used to play in bands and stuff like that when i left college and that was what i did for the first sort of four or five years and then i i went to write writing had always been my first love so i always sort of had it in mind that i would go and do that and i, I worked for a, a music magazine a musician's magazine hmm. so i went to melody maker which i really enjoyed but then was asked to go and be the sunday times you know music hmm. uh, critic which i did for about three years which i i liked well enough but I was really glad to get my music back at the end of it because you sort of sacrifice your, you have to sacrifice your own listening to some extent. Oh, of course, I got sent everything that was released in, in Britain <laughs> for about three years. Which until you've tried to do that, uh, you don't realise just how hard that is. It's really difficult, and I was always afraid if I if I didn't listen to everything, something great that someone had poured themselves into might go <laughs> by the wayside. And so I probably took it too seriously. So Michael Gove was sent into the island and uh, and you've tailored the, the particular music. I mean, is this because you think Michael Gove has a particular kind of music that you think that he likes? Or, you know, is, is, do you think he's a sort of... I had this idea that he's a classical fan. He loves, you know, opera and... Cause, because he seems quite posh, and that's my my prejudice against posh. Yeah, yeah, me, me, me too. I mean, I, I, in 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 his soul, I think he's probably. Uh, and I had I once had to buy a for a relative. I once had to buy a, a cassette of. Um, Easy listening music being played by a, a military marching band, and, <laughs> and that was I was in tears as I was standing in front of the rack to buy it. And I, the, in spirit, I sort of feel like that's where he's at. Right. But yes, he probably listens to classical music and opera and stuff. But I've never heard him express any interest in music, so he might be one of those people who's, who's yeah. just not that interested yeah. in it. Um, well, they used to get. Didn't politicians used to get sent? 
Because there was a famous question of, you know, I think it was during the Gordon Brown era of, you know, these to ask politicians, which bands do you like? And I think some of them sort of, one of them mentioned the Arctic Monkeys because they'd sort of heard of it. And yeah. somebody said, yeah. well, what are their songs? They didn't know any. So then there was this period, yeah. I think, where politicians got briefed on who were the big bands and what their hits were. So they could <laughs> they could sound convincing when they said, oh, you know, Wonderwall by Oasis, you know. So maybe he's, yeah. been, maybe he's been briefed on up and coming music. I don't know. He, he might have been. He might have been. I remember they can sometimes get into trouble with that too, because I can remember David Cameron, who I think was mildly interested in music. Um, someone, I mean, someone asking him about his favorite songs, and he said, "Oh, Eden Rifles by mm. the Jam." Mm. And and someone went to Paul Weller and said, "said Did you hear this?" And and uh, David Cameron's your, his favorite song. He was at Eden when you when he came out, and and Paul Weller just went. What part of that song did he not understand? <laughs> it's a classic. So I think they have to be a bit careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got Michael Gove arriving on the island. Um, I, I'm interested also how these people get there. What do you think? What uh, mishap has befallen Michael Gove for him to end up on this, uh, on this, this, as you say, benighted island? Well, I, he's on. He's on the run. Um, <laughs> I, I think. I think a whole generation of, of children has been through the education system <laughs> and they realized just how bad his ideas He's a were. Haunted man. And now they want revenge in their, <laughs> their company game. I love this. I, that is so brilliant. That, 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 that thought of Michael Gove panting his way up the beach, pursued, you know, <laughs> over the horizon by a boat full of angry children, and he's had to escape to this. Air. This is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Well, I, I went a bit lateral on the island as well, because hmm. I, I thought that, a, you know, a desert island with a nice beach and all that kind of stuff might be a bit too comfortable. Yes. And, um, and uh, so I, I, what I thought was, and this, this may sound a bit odd, but there was one time while I was working, actually, there was a band called... Uh, the Sultans of Ping, who were from Cork. I know, I know and the Sultans of Ping very well. Where's me? Where's me jumper? Was that there? Where's me jumper? Yeah. Which is like this lament for a for a boy who's been at the disco and he can't find his jumper, and he knows his mum's going to be really angry with him if he goes home without his jumper. Dancing in the disco, <laughs> bumper to bumper. Yeah, Wait a minute. Right. Where's me jumper? I remember where's it well. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. That, I'm really impressed. You remember <laughs> that? That was their one hit. Yes. And uh, I rem- I went. I went to the Shetland Islands with them and uh, and now the Shetland Islands has probably changed a lot since then I mean it's was that the high point of their tour <laughs> it's a way it was. they thought they'd do something odd I mean they just did a tour of the Shetland Islands so it was all these sort of village halls hmm. basically hmm. and uh, and it was the, the the it's probably I mean the Shetlands are probably all the state agents of the Costa Coffees now like the rest of the world but it, it really wasn't then and it seemed to be full of people from Liverpool on you know on, on uh, on the lamb from from the law and at that time it's it's bleak and there are not many trees because it's so windy and you seldom saw anyone back then without a, a can of tenants special mm. or extra in mm. their hand the mortuary used to be open once a month for a for a big all-weekend party <laughs> where people just get wrecked it was just it was a crazy wild wow. place and I think it's everything. I, I, you know, I loved it. Needless to say, <laughs> but I have a feeling Michael Gove wouldn't. So I, like I thought that. I'd send him. He's on an island just off the coast right. from Lerwick, which is the main the main city, well, town, and um, and he can only go once a week on Saturday nights <laughs> when everyone's too drunk to talk to him. So he can't find out how to get off the island. Oh, that, oh, that's brilliant. So it's like a sort of uh, what was that? 
the prisoner, that series, the prisoner. Yes. You can never quite it's get out of the Shetlands. <laughs> it's a version of that. It's tantalizing. And yet Brilliant. you can never find your way off. OK, so Michael Go, I love this. Michael Go is in the Shetlands. Uh, you are now in charge of the music he's going to hear. And uh, what's what's the first song? What have you picked for the opening opening number? OK, now this one is this is genuine by the rule book uh, you know of our enterprise here in, in that i really hate this song <laughs> <laughs> i really hate this song it's the only song i don't i'm not inclined to depression and i i don't often get depressed by things i'm a fairly resilient human being but you just need to put this on <laughs> and i stop need to kill myself and it's, it's it's you're beautiful by jamie blunt and it it starts it even starts on the wrong foot, because if you listen to the first line, the first lines is my life is brilliant. My love is pure. And then he goes on to describe this scenario where basically he sees a woman across a room at a party and he falls madly in love. And well, because it's not love. You know, I always I hear this and I always say, mate, that's not love. That's love. <laughs> oh, if that's what it is he just describes a situation which has got nothing to do with love <laughs> and it's a ridiculous song i always had this sneaking suspicion because you know jamie jamie blunt i believe went to sandhurst didn't he yes the military college and i'd always wondered if he was a secret mod uh defense project in actual fact because you could just put him on a battlefield have him walk towards the enemy singing this song and people would either be so confused or so terrified that they'd leave the only thing being is if it was fundamentalist you might actually confirm their view that all music that's not religious is ungodly that i kind of feel like that when i hear it project blunt so yes I <laughs> the blunt project all right let's have a listen Yes, yeah, that sounds quite romantic. He's, you know, but it's lust. There's nothing. There's no love about this. <laughs> He's just seen her. Oh, it's so heartfelt. So, but you're right, he just fancies her, doesn't he, basically? Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. You want to get inside her pants, just be honest about it. Say it. <laughs> dress it up. Dress it up in all this way. Go. <laughs> oh, let's, let's leave that there. Uh, he's on the ship. You can see, if you look, you'll see he's on the ship, and I will say Cheerio, James. All right, I'm pausing it's that. Snowy. It's true. I'm pausing that there. Wow. <laughs> yes, that is a blast from the past. That, and um, I, I feel, I don't know, I, I feel Michael Gove having arrived on the island, you know, feeling at a low ebb. You're right. That's going to really push him under, isn't it? <laughs> Hearing that song. So. Yeah, I think that's not going to help. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, well, I feel bad now. I feel bad. I'm sorry, Michael. I apologise. I had to do this. Did he have any other? I mean, that's the only one I know of James Blunt's. But did he have? A, did he have others? Were there? Were there others? He did. Yeah. I mean, there is apparently. I was when I was looking looking this up. I, I uh, found that there is, in fact, a, a Jamie Blunt greatest hits album, which appears to be a double album. <laughs> Great. Wow. I, don't, I don't know what the others are, but yeah, he must have had some, I guess. But, but I can't. 
remember. Is that like the Shaman's Greatest Hits album, which is just endless <laughs> remixes of Move Any Mountain? Like 20 remixes. It might be. Oh, God, in which case, this is, can we give Michael that album? <laughs> can I nominate a whole album? Because that would just be the end. Back I couldn't do that to him. Actually, I think that would be too mean. I loved, um, there was a great, do you remember Viz, Viz and Top Tips, the Top Tips in Viz magazine? <laughs> yeah. There was a great Top Tip that was, save money by not buying a UB40 album, but buying one of their singles and playing it again and again. <laughs> It's <laughs> like so the episode of Father Ted where where there's the the DJ, isn't there? The the um the priest DJ who only has one record, <laughs> which is Ghost Town by the Specials. God, I'd forgotten about that. Just has to keep playing it again and again. <laughs> Talking of Ghost Town, so Michael Gove, has he has he got a, a sort of place to live on this this Shetland island? Has he got a shack or a little house? Maybe um... he has. He has. He's got a he's got a little sort of boffy type shack down at the far corner of the island. So right. Okay. He is he is away from. Uh, he can walk to the other uh, side of his island to right. to stay to gaze wistfully across at Lerwick, which he yes. can only see once a week when no one can talk to him. But other than that, he's on his own <laughs> in the corner. He has time to think it. about his education policies and re-examine them. <laughs> Talking about education policy, this this next bit is a, it's a bit highbrow actually. Your next uh, your next choice for Michael Gove. What's, I know. Sorry uh, what about it, Jeff. I know. I know. I, know I, hate to, I hate to do that, but um, yeah. No, this is this is now this is uh, this is something that's so. It's one of those things that that you know where bad and good sort of meet round the back. It's like <laughs> left and right politics sometimes do, and uh, and it's um, it's William Shatner. Um, doing Henry V <laughs> Shakespeare uh, to you and me, and um, and it's from a fantastic album, uh, and I really genuinely mean that it's a fantastic album, uh, which we called Spaced Out, and it has uh, William Shatner doing songs and speeches, and Leonard Nimoy, Doctor, you know, Mr. Spock, um, oh, yes. also singing some songs. Fantastic. Well, let's. Let's have a listen to a a burst of William Shatner doing Henry V. Almost dramatic. (laughs) Put the music on the back, it's lovely. This is the Hollywood version, mate. (laughs) King Henry V and his army are surrounded by the enemy. His men are weary and dispirited. It has been an unpopular war and the men want to quit fighting return to their homes. You're right there, aren't you, with him, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. The French yeah. are on all sides, outnumbering the English by many. As the men reluctantly <laughs> prepare to return to battle, King Henry, astride his horse, sword in hand, tries to rally sword his in men hand. and ignite their waning courage. <laughs> I think you find he's got a skull in his hand. <laughs> Once more oh, right. to the breach, dear friends. Once more across the wall up with our English dead. <laughs> there you go. In- Oh, that's lovely. Let's pause that there. I love the way he goes a bit English then as he raises his voice. Once more to the British <laughs> friends. Channeling, channeling Laurence Olivier. That is bizarre. Why Why that one? Is that to call to mind Michael Gove Shakespearean education policies? I think so, yeah. This is how he would have them do it. I'm sure, <laughs> given a chance. But it'd be, he'd, oh, this would really, do you know what? I think this would really get to Michael Gove because it's, it's a classic, obviously, of English literature. Yeah. Read out not just by an American, but by an American from Star Trek. I know, it has all kinds of, there are all different levels this is going to work for him. I mean, oh. I wish it did not work for him. Oh. And it always and, and, me, it was when, it, 
it was funny. I mean, you sort of feel for Shatner in a way because I remember uh, there was reading an interview with Scotty from Star Trek, who mm. was the one who worked the transporter, wasn't he? And uh, um, yes, yeah, me up, Scotty. And uh, and in actual fact, that like a lot of them in Star Trek, because didn't they only make two or three series or something? It wasn't it wasn't very many. And uh, sounds sounds right. Yeah, it sounds like the kind of thing that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then it was taken off air because people didn't really watch it at the time. It became a cult afterwards, and mm. Scotty's career was ruined by it. Because oh, really? always thought that they could only give him kind of Scottish parts, and and <laughs> he wasn't even Scottish; he was Canadian. He he he'd fought with a Scot during the war, and he was good with accents, and he picked up his accent. So when he auditioned <laughs> to play Scotty, he got the part, and then he hardly ever worked after that because he was typecast. And I think there's a there's a kind of pathos to this with William Shatner too, because the same thing happened to him and to a lot of yeah, them. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and what this is kind of him staking out his claim, you know, I can do other stuff too. Uh, <laughs> or trying to stake out his claim from not not quite coming up. I like the idea of, I like the idea of Michael Gove striding across the island to this and trying to get his Shakespearean groove on, haunted <laughs> by the William Shatner. Yeah, I know. He's got a lot of time. How do you think he's going to fill his time? Have you given him any entertainment or anything that he can uh, he can be getting on with? Or, or is there anything for him to do or see or oh, no, I've interact Jamie, with? Jamie Blunt, what more does he want? <laughs> I don't, we, could give him a, we could give him a book. I would choose right. to give him, I think... The uh, selected complete works of Karl Marx. Oh, right. <laughs> and, and that'll be the only thing he can read. So he has to either read that or nothing, or he could contemplate. He could contemplate his his own failures in education minister <laughs> if he feels like that. And I don't hate him, children. I don't hate him. Don't hate, don't him. hate don't people. Hate him. Except very him. important. Yes. I think also food food is going to be quite important, and I think um, not sort of typecast the Scottish diet or anything, but I, I get the feeling, you know, s- serving him up sort of very deep fried things, uh, con- you know, a constant diet of really unhealthy deep fried food might might go down well. That might, that would work. Yeah. Uh, seaweed and herrings would also work. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of herring there. And every, everything, hmm, everything gives you a slight case of sort of imminent diarrhea not actual diarrhea <laughs> imminent you know that yeah. feeling you've got where it's like oh something unusual and it's just constant diet where he's sort of fed yeah. this stuff I think so <laughs> it's not it, it'll be a learning experience and I like to think this will be character building by the way I'm, yes I'm, I, I'm not trying to be malicious I, I think this will be good for him <laughs> understood all done with love <laughs> it's um, all done with love Talking of done with love, what's what's our, what, what, are you, what are you going to hit him with next what's our next one okay now the next thing because I was once a schoolboy. It's in my contract that I'm not allowed to not have a sneaking liking for this. Okay. Right. It's 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 there and it's like clause twelve. I, I signed it, so I have to do it. It's whole lot of Rosie by by ACDC, and this is chosen, um, uh, which I I do kind of have a sneak. You know, I have affection for this song, and um, but I'm pretty damn sure it'll it'll drive him absolutely insane because uh, it's very loud and in fact it's it's kind of ironic because you know bon scott the who was their singer who actually did uh, drink himself to death one night i think he may even have been 27 in that in that you know textbook way but hmm. um but if you if you actually listen to the words of this song 
he, he really loves and respects this woman, Rosie, uh, and he, he isn't describing some uh-huh. virginal vision wafting across a, a party the way Jamie Blunt is. This is a <laughs> real human being who he really likes. And so I, I think this will also be good for Michael Gove. All right. All right. Whole lot of Rosie by uh, by ACDC. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Already. <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah, there's just nothing to not like about that, is there? Have that, Michael Gove. And listen to his introduction. It's actually very funny. Won't tell you a story about a woman I know. I come loving steal the show. She ain't exactly pretty. Ain't exactly small. Four, two, third, nine, fifty-six. You can see she got it all. See, that's brilliant. That's love, Jamie. That is love. Oh, that's that is a thumper of a song, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, like, it is. I know it's hard. It's hard not to. I mean, I I don't listen to heavy metal and I don't especially like it, but I do like this song. <laughs> I'm sorry. And if I if I were to put this on at home, I know that my my partner would throw me out pretty much. I can, the other thing I can imagine Michael Gove pretending to like that, pretending to be cool with it. Oh, yeah, okay. oh, I love this rock. Oh, Except no. there's no one to pretend to. <laughs> Maybe I should have chosen something more obnoxious, Judas Priest <laughs> or something. No, because he'll he'll sort of pretend to like it and then realise he's got nobody to pretend to like it to and that he does actually hate it and that he just has to be honest about it. <laughs> yeah, hates maybe it. so. God. I mean, oh, that's... this might actually do him a favour as well because it'll, it'll probably keep the seagulls away. <laughs> yes are there going to be so there a lot of seagulls and I, I my recollection of all those islands is there's, there's large areas that are just covered with with guano as as yeah uh, as the locals politely call it in some regions yeah um, so he's going to be crawling hand over fist over bird shit basically and, and seagulls can be you know seagulls can be kind of annoying so so yeah <laughs> oh, yes. I, I suspect so oh that's true when he gets his hands on some nice food you know, quinoa or, or whatever he eats or <laughs> rump steak. The seagulls just sweep in and drag around. Get it. Okay, so we've got one last song that we're going to hit Michael Gove with. Is there a particular this song? Is there a particular time of day or period of his island existence you think this would uh, this would get to him at? When are you going to play this? Well, I think um, this could be uh, this could be on his alarm in the morning. Mm. <laughs> the daily th- wake up. That would be that would be one thing. And I wanted I wanted to let him have. Um, uh, uh, I mean, it's kind of like the complete works of Shakespeare mm, and the mm. Bible, isn't it? That, that it, he should probably have a mobile phone, but it only takes uh, incoming calls, and he only it only receives spam calls. <laughs> and the ringtone has to be "You're Beautiful" by Jamie Blunt. <laughs> Oh, that is brilliant. And and he picks up the call, obviously, to try and finish the thing quickly. And it's, you know, congratulations, yeah. you have been selected. So he can have a little bit of modern hell as well as the slightly isolated uh, uh, old school hell. Brilliant. All right, we're going to inflict this one. on. this is Om by John Coltrane. Let's oh, yeah. Started. This is it. This is it. <laughs> this isn't the warm up. It's the thing. 28 minutes of this now. Wow. 
I'm going to have to turn that one off. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I just, think... I know that there's a level of, it's like abstract art, I suppose, where when you're really into art, you can kind of understand this stuff. But with that, I just, I really do feel like they're just hitting random. I, yeah. That can't be the case, though. Surely I'd be able to tell the difference between that and just hitting random notes. Would I? Would you, I? You would, actually. It, it, what um, I know I... Oh, said like a that. typical music, music, <laughs> music fan. No, no, no. Because uh, I, I first heard that when I was in my 20s. I used to work up at this... You, you might have heard of it. There's, um, a, it's an empire in Notting Hill, actually, the Record and Tape Exchange. And mm. they, they sell secondhand vinyl and they opened a music shop to sell second-hand hi-fi and musical instruments stuff like that and i worked there for a while and there were various people from different bands and you know i was playing in a band at the time and um and there was a performance artist who lived close to me in brixton and he he said we used to go and listen to records at each other's places sometimes and and he took me back to listen to the major works of john coltrane and i had my response was the same as yours i just thought this is so pretentious only a performance <laughs> artist would, could, would try and sit me down and tell me this is any good at all. But funnily enough, as I, as I got, every, whenever pop music was seeming a bit dull to me, if there wasn't much happening or whatever, I found that I would sometimes go and try jazz and stuff like that. And hmm. Coltrane was one of the first ones I got. And it took me about 20 years before I could, of listening to Coltrane and knowing it's not quite well. Before I, I eventually went back to, I so thought I'll give it another go. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I know, but I'll give it another go. And and actually, I do, I do like it now. It's not if you know Coltrane's work, it's not random. It's still hard to listen to, and I, I would be lying if I said I listen to this on a daily basis. But once a year, <laughs> it wakes me up. I find for the rest of the year, in fact. Well, well, I mean, Michael Gove is going to get, you know, 365 like, years worth. <laughs> he's not going to like that. I, I feel confident in saying that. I don't know what he does listen to, but I'm pretty sure it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Abstract noodling. There we go. That is absolutely brilliant. Well, I think you've done a, a fantastic job on Michael Gove inflicting this stuff on him. No, I'm <laughs> um, sorry, Michael. I do feel bad. I want you to know that I feel bad yes. about all of this. And we don't he hate made, you. That's Jeff it. made me do it. <laughs> Um, well, as a, as a matter of course, um, uh, the Castaway obviously is going to get, as you say, the complete works of Karl Marx. I'm also going to get a copy of Russell, <laughs> Russell Brand's My Bookie Work, just uh, fantastic <laughs> for the uh, the Bible of our times. And also, you, you get to give them um, not quite a luxury; you get to give them an albatross that he then has to cope with on the on the island. Have you thought of what you're going to inflict on him? That's totally useless. Actually, I have, and and this comes partly from personal experience. Weirdly, I was at, I went to the Hay Festival, the book festival last last year, and believe it or not, Govey was there and he was mm. the, he was in the green room and i was slightly surprised to see that uh he's he's quite a big bloke actually much more than i thought oh. he was yeah i know he, he doesn't carry himself like that but he, he's quite a big bloke so i thought what as it and sort of beefy kind of muscly yeah or, or not, or? no not muscly but quite tall right. and quite right. you know he takes up a bit of space mm. Uh, mm. and and uh and um uh, so I thought I would give him, you know, it's a cold island that's windswept. Sometimes you just want to get, you just want to have a warm bath, right? So yes. I'd, I'd give him a bath, but it will be quite a small bath. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he can't really sit in it quite comfortably. So, oh. so he, 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 when he wants to warm up, he, he's going to want to go and have that warm bath. But he's never going to be able to get comfortable in it. It's a bit like Sisyphus, you know, rolling oh. boulder up the hill always, but in oh. but in bath time form. 
And you could have it so that whichever end he sits at, the taps are always there. Like he put in <laughs> taps on every end, yeah, taps everywhere. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes, that's, surrounded that's, by taps. That's an excellent addition to, 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 <laughs> to the vision. Brilliant. That is fantastic. I think I think um, we've done a great job uh, on Michael Gove and his island there. Um, folks, that is it for this episode of Earworm Island. I'd like to thank uh, my guest, Andrew Smith. Thank you for joining me. It's been more a pleasure than I'm quite comfortable to admit. <laughs> and if you'd like to be my guest on a future episode, if you think you can cut the musicological mustard, get in touch with me. I'm Jeff at gwhite.info or jeffwhite247 over on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Catch you again soon.